17 to come in. Go ahead, truck 17. Primary complete. Command topics, primary complete. What's up, folks? And welcome to another episode of Primary Complete. Before we kick off the show, do us a quick favor. Like and subscribe. At the end of the show, if you enjoyed it, leave a quick comment. These simple little things make our platform more visible to folks who are looking for the type of show that we produce. For all of you who are constantly interacting with us on social media, talking about the show in your firehouses and with your friends, we can't say thank you enough for helping us build this awesome community. If you haven't yet, check out the social media. Search Primary Complete Podcast on Insta, Facebook, TikTok. Give it a quick like. We also got a website. Feel free to check that out. www.primarycompletepodcast.com Thank you all once again. Enjoy the next episode and continue to help us make conversation great again. Definitely. Where in North Carolina are you? Wilmington. Down here on the coast. Yep. That southeast corner. Southeast corner. Where is that relation to like Emerald Isle and... About an hour, hour and a half, mm-hmm. I think. So Emerald Isle, that's all what? Atlantic Beach? I think so. Towards that area, Moorhead yeah. City. Yeah. That Emerald, yeah. So, yeah, probably... Hour and a half. South. Hour and a half. Yeah. No. Because okay. no more hits it in south, is it? No, we're south. We're south. Yeah. That's right. We're south. You're yep. south of Emerald Isle. Emerald Isle. Yep. Oh, you're past. The, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, that's that's like nine or ten hours past uh, from me. Right. I'm just outside of D.C. and Frederick in Maryland. Okay. Cool. So we, uh, my wife has a friend that she went to high school. No, where'd she go to? College with her. And they, they lived in Baltimore for a while. Now they live in Emerald Isle, and we visit them. And, that, and then we go down there every summer, and then every other summer we go to the Outer Banks. So we, we frequent the North Carolina metropolitan area. Yeah, nice. Well, next time you are at Emerald Isle, you'll have to look us up, and we can get you in the studio. Mm-hmm. We can do it Yeah, again. well, I got your phone number now. I'll give you a shout. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. How long have you been in Maryland? I moved here when I was 12, so... 37 now, 25 years. Is that 25? Yeah, he's young. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm a young yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> young guy. Nice. Young fella. So been there a while. What took you, I'm assuming your parents, since you said you got there at 12, uh, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, my dad was in the military, and um, he got orders to come down to uh, Laurel, Maryland. He had a promotion, and um, long story short, his area of operation was going to be the D.C. region, and for what he did with military intelligence and all that, he, um, they put him in Laurel at Fort Meade. So Fort Meade is in Anne Arundel County. If I don't know if you know much about Maryland, but, um, Laurel is kind of hit or miss as far as like how nice it is or how kind of like uh, crime wise, you know, it's not a great area to have kids. So, uh, he, he commuted up there and, um, we ended up living in uh, Calvert County in Southern Maryland. And he just commuted. It was like a 40-minute commute. It wasn't that bad. I got you. Yeah, I'm a fan of the commute myself. I've said it probably a thousand times mm-hmm. on this show. I live about an hour away from the studio and the county that we work in. I live about an hour away back towards the rural part of the state, which is the western part of the state. Uh, but I have learned so much uh, to value that commute, that's for sure. It's uh, Yeah, I, I'm about an hour and 15 minutes from where I work to where I live. It all depends on traffic. So... And then it can kind of vary, too, because, like, if I get off on a Sunday morning, it'll take me 45 minutes to get home. And I'm not even pushing it. There's just nobody on the road. But if I go to work, you know, if I go to work for a back 12, 
I have to leave my house at 3 o'clock or 2.30 really to get there by 5 to relieve the guy for the back 12 and get, give him like an hour or two uh, early relief. But if I don't do that or I try to – let's say I try to leave at like 5, leave my house at 5 or something, it's going to take me two hours to get there because of D.C. traffic. Yeah, it seems like a so, nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. So what department it, is it that you work for? So I work in the uh, Prince George's County Fire Department in Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, it borders D.C., and it, it's a, the largest career and volunteer combination department in the country, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but... Um, I, think you're, I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's a legendary department, man. Absolutely. I, I've heard stories uh, for years. That's awesome. It's a fun place uh, to work. Ethan, it's, um, I think it's just like any other department. I, I think it has... A lot of really, really good people. Um, I think there's a lot of really intelligent firefighters that, that work there and a lot of people that really care about their job, love what they do, and they're, they're there for the right reasons. And I think that's kind of why it's had a great reputation for a long time. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's without our own share of, um, you know, struggles and shortcomings, but I think overall, I mean, it's a great department. I've worked there for 16 years now, and I love it. Nice. Yeah, every department's going to have stuff that could be improved. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard stories of that being like the holy grail of if you could volunteer anywhere you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure. You know, yeah. they, the volunteers, uh, they have people from all over. I mean, it's kind of wild. Some of the people, I mean, it's a lot of Pennsylvania, a lot of New Jersey, um, people that come over and volunteer in the county. I, I don't really know a ton of them, but. I mean, through my time in the department, you get to know different volunteers, different people. You work in different firehouses that have volunteers in them, and you look in the license plates, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of PA and <laughs> New Jersey and New York. I mean, all kidding aside, that's, I would say, um, you know, a majority of it. And back to the department a little bit, though, too. Like, they, I don't think they have any problems that other departments don't have. I mean, everybody kind of goes through the same stuff. It's nothing, I would say, specifically unique, just to clarify when I said we have a shortcoming. So since we're recording... Yeah, <laughs> gotta clarify that. No, it's right. all good. It's Keep all good. Clear, Mike. Let's yeah. back up real quick. I want to kind of know sure. what. How are you introduced into the fire service? You said your pops was in the military. Um, yeah. So how how did how did you get introduced into the fire service? So my dad was a uh, he was a cop in the military. He was an MP and he was also a police officer um, in New Jersey, where we where we moved from. And um, he kind of did a little bit of the National Guard for a while, and then everything in Iraq kicked off around 2001, and he went back into full um, uh, active duty. They pulled him back because he retired, and it just – it was a weird uh, mess. And long story short, once when you retire, there's a – I don't remember what the time – the window is, but there's a time frame where they can turn around. Because of his specialty and his rank, they could say, hey – you're you're coming back and they yeah, just pull you right back and so that's what it, that's what ended up happening but um you know it, he was a cop and other people in the national guard that he knew were firefighters on their you know their, their day job so i kind of knew what it was and just with him being a cop and stuff like that you know you you learn about the fire department side as well and where we grew where i grew up in new jersey um we lived i could see the firehouse from my house so I always knew about it, would you know, run over there, watch the trucks and all that. And then, uh, you know, from when I was a little kid, I used to get, you know, the backdraft movie on 
cassettes Damn, and right. I'd watch it over and over and over and then the next Christmas and everything, get another one because I'd wear it out. And uh, <laughs> you know, fast forward, I'm a, I'm a teenager and we're in Southern Maryland and all that and I'm going to buy I'm going to school with kids that are wearing like, you know, volunteer fire department t-shirts and we didn't live that far from the volunteer firehouse, um, in the town in North beach. And, you know, I was always interested. I just never went there. I didn't, I didn't know that they were volunteers then. Obviously I know, but looking back, they were, and there's a, you know, a couple of guys I went to school with, they always wore the t-shirts and I was always kind of interested in it. And then, um, when I was 16, I went to go buy a truck, a used, a used truck at a, dealership on the side of the road and to get there there's a back road and i passed the huntingtown volunteer fire department and so i bought the truck they you know whatever i went to go drive it home and i pulled in the firehouse and you know 20 some years later now here we are yeah so that was that, that was my start was volunteering cool, in southern maryland a little wordy backstory but i mean just to kind of give you uh you know that three thousand foot view of everything so you went from the volunteer side of things into the paid side of things was, I mean, that was just the, the trajectory or the way you knew you wanted to go or was there, did you go to college or get, was there any time in between, uh, you know, did you work other jobs prior to the fire service? I'm sure you, you sounds like you probably did, but not many because you're 16 years deep and you're 37. So you haven't worked too many other jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Hmm. I think how to, how to say this and I just drew a total blank with what you asked um so I always knew that's what I wanted to do I you know every year for Halloween ooh, just bumped my computer every year for Halloween and that's I mean I was a firefighter I mean that's all I wanted to do I knew that's all I wanted to be and uh once I realized when I was in high school that's something you could do for a career I was like oh wow and I, I think actually I realized I learned that more when I started meeting people and getting to know people in the volunteer firehouse Everybody was a career guy. Some people worked in D.C., Annapolis, San Arundel, Montgomery. Um, I mean, anywhere you could think of. They probably – or not anywhere you could think of. Every, just about everyone was career somewhere. It was actually, quite frankly, I believe – if I remember right, there was 37 <clears throat> people that were career somewhere on the roster for the department, and the, the department only had a roster of 85 people or 86 or whatever it was. Yeah, so close half. to half, like we'll say 40% for conversation, 40% were career in, in the department somewhere. So that really opened my eyes to that. And I, I didn't know any of that. And, you know, when I came over, I was delayed in school. So I was back a year. So when I graduated high school, I was almost 19, right? I was whatever, seven months away from turning 19. So I turned 19 my summer after high school or the winter after high school. And I did, um, I did some electric work for about six, eight months, whatever. And then I ended up, there's a private, uh, well, I don't know if you call it private, but in Montgomery County, there's volunteer corporations that pay day work people and sure. they're not unionized or anything. It's called Bethesda Chevy Chase Rescue Squad, BCC. And um, they pay their own day work people. Montgomery County is the career department there that had a medic unit in it, but suppression and then the ambulance, they would pay uh, day work guys. And it was only a res heavy rescue squad and two ambulances and then a, a satellite ambulance somewhere else. So I worked there for a little, I mean, a very brief period, less than a year Then I got, and uh, throughout that time, I applied to every department possible. Everyone and anyone I applied took tests. And <laughs> PG was the first one to hire me. And 
I mean, now we're here. Lucky. Yeah, dude, that's yeah. awesome. You you nailed it on your first time through. That's pretty pretty cool. It um, wasn't well. So there was a lot of tests in between, and you know they were they were the first ones to hire me. I feel like I took PG's test before the one I got hired off of, but I don't remember to be honest with you. I remember taking it, and I remember them not hiring a class, or the class got delayed, and there was another written before. I mean, they were, we were cran- the department at that time was cranking out writtens, I think every year. And they were having, like, there's a place here called the Showplace Arena where there's like 1,200 people, 1,300 people that can go there. And it's a large, like, they would, just to put it in perspective, they have a minor league hockey team that used to play there. And they could put an entire ice rink on the flat surface, and every inch of that flat surface was covered with tables and chairs. And they were full for people, just to give you, give you perspective of how big that, air, that arena was. And that was everyone to take the test for the Prince George's County Fire Department. Thousands of people, <laughs> Nuts, man. Yeah, you know, would take it. Over a thousand of people would take it at a time. Excuse me. Is it the fire duty that's the the draw? I'm sure there's a bunch of cool things about it, but it's kind of got to be. Um, I don't want to be biased, but I feel like yeah. I mean, it's. You, I mean, you said it yourself. You've heard of it. I mean, even in my time just doing this podcast, everyone somehow some way has a tie back to the prince george's county fire department whether they're volunteer mm-hmm. career they know someone they're friends with people they came down to do training any of that they everybody knows who the prince george's county fire department is and it's it's kind of cool it kind of stinks a little bit sometimes because we i don't think we're as busy as we used to be we definitely aren't as busy as when i first got hired i feel like there's a big difference but i mean i don't think that's uncommon compared to anyone else you talk to like you could go talk to a guy from i don't know New York or not New York, uh, DC or Montgomery or anywhere else in this area where they're, you know, no one's as busy as they used to be. As far as fires, the call volume is dramatically higher than it used to be too. I know that as far as, as far as the draw, I still think there's a lot of pockets that are very consistent and a lot of fun to work in. And and I think, I think that's still keeping people going. I'm with you. Was the, uh, was the transition from when you left the, uh, volunteer side of things into PG County was that like a wild eye-opening experience, or did you kind of heard so many tales and knew people already that it wasn't really that big a big of a transition for you, or was it just you know mind blowing? It, it was a nice kick in the teeth. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I thought I had everything figured out. I walked in there pretty <laughs> cocky, like, "Well, I volunteer. I, I got my certifications. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for a little while now. I, I got it. I think I was. I got. I started in Calvert in 2001. I got hired." In PG Prince George's County in 2007. So I had like six years, five, we'll just say six for conversation. And I was, you know, I got this and I know what I'm doing. I had to pull hand line, put my gear on this fine. Nope. Huge (laughs) different night and day. And from where Calvert is to where I worked in Prince George's County is a 20 minute drive, right? Inside inside the Capitol Beltway, 495 Beltway that goes around D.C., inside the Beltway is a whole different world, whole different world. And, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing, and, I, you know, I was like, oh, the Academy, I you know, I worked through that. I did well. You know, I didn't do that great on some things, and, you know, they built us up and made us finish, got us trained, and, you know, put us out in the field, and I got out in the field, and it was – there's nothing like it. it, it there really isn't. And, you know, everybody's extremely fast, like very fast. Um, 
getting there, obviously. Everybody's on top of each other. We're so close in proximity. And then just there's some some of the best firefighters in the world, I think, are there. Mm -hmm. And they're very fast at what they do. They run their hand lines at mock speed, but they're smooth, right? Smooth is fast. Mm -hmm. And they're coming, and you better get your shit together, and you better have yourself ready to go. And, you know, sometimes I didn't really meet the mark, and there's other times I met the mark, but I don't think I really fully understood what full speed was when it came to uh, calls until – you know, you go out there and get your feet wet, and it's if you're not ready, you're going to get smoked. And unfortunately, I learned the hard way a few times of making mistakes and not meeting the mark of you're going to pay the man for it. Like, don't don't be that guy. Don't get walked over by a certain company. Don't get walked over by them, those guys. Don't be the one holding up the fire ground because you don't know what you're doing, like all that. And that's something I never really appreciated, and it hit me like a hammer when I got into the Prince George County Fire Department, because like I said, the career guys there, because that's my experience as the career. I don't really know a lot. Of, I know a lot of volunteers in time, but working with the career guys every day, <clears throat> like I said, they're, they're, they're second to none and there's high levels of expectations and, and, and accountability. And, you know, there's some crews out. I mean, those guys know who they are, but mm -hmm. they really dropped the hammer on me and I gave them a lot of ammunition <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so it definitely, um, it definitely it made me realize that it, it was a whole different world. I was in a, I remember I was in a whole other world, and you know I, I had a lot of work to do, and and you know it's going to take a lot of work to get to that level. Sounds so like running it full was, speed uh, is part competition. Like you want to do a good job, but also you're not going to let the other crew get that assignment. Yeah. Well. Well, that and then it's kind of like it's a territory thing, right? This is our first do. You're, you're not going to come in here. It's just like my house. Like you're not going to come into my house and act a certain way and do certain. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, we're a bunch of guys, right? I'm going to assert my dominance. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm the man. I'm in charge. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. but no, all, <clears throat> all kidding aside, I mean, it, it adds a lot of fun to it, especially when, you know, it's groups of people that have that professional um, demeanor and level to know, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to race you and I'm going to get there, trying to get there as fast as you, but I'm not going to play any games mm -hmm. also. You, you know what I mean? I'm going to keep you honest and you know, <clears throat> you better be quick cause I'm coming. And if I have to wait for you, I mean, I wouldn't want to have to be waiting, but, but no, it's, it's a hell, I think it's a healthy, uh, competition, healthy rivalry, uh, for the, for the most part. Yeah, I think that's almost uh, <laughs> that's almost a given in our service. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure at times it can it can grow to be unhealthy uh, if people yeah. choose to take things like that personal. But yeah, that's just a given, um, especially for the rock stars. You know, they 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 want to be pressured. They want to feel that. You know, they want to feel some they want to feel some level of competition. That's just you know our type of personality. I don't think it can be avoided. Really, um, how was your how was your first company officer? Was did he have a large impact on you, or uh, I see the smiles? Um, so this good. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, he did. He uh, he was a great guy, and I'm I'm gonna leave his name out just because uh, I, I don't know how he feels about all this. I, he's a little bit older, so he may not be a you know media guy. Um, <laughs> but I think he was a good person. I think he was a you know, or like that's a bad way to start that. He was. Uh, he was good at his job. He, he, you know, he was, I think he was a great officer, uh, in the short time I worked with him, he ended up going to a different company and all that later on. And, uh, he had some medical issues. Like I said, he was a lot older. He was towards the end of his career. And, um, 
you know, tacti- tactically and all that, I think he was where he should be. You know, I learned a lot from him. But, you know, he was always there when I, when I needed him to be the officer. I don't know if that really makes sense, um, if that, how, that's how you say that. But um, every time I needed him to step up to the plate or there's a situation where he needed to step up to the plate, he stepped up to it. And, you know, I think just like anything else, he, he had some shortcomings that he would admit and tell you, and we would work on it. And then when I had shortcomings, we would work on it. And it was kind of cool for him to, you know, let down that guard of um, <clears throat> humility. I don't know if that – does that make sense? Sure. So, yeah. and he was, he was around for a very short period. Like I say, he was a little bit older. He had some medical issues and he ended up, um, leaving the, leaving the station. Um, so it was a short period for my first officer, but you know, I think just like anything else, and I didn't really appreciate this till I got older, it all had its place for a reason, you know? So we didn't work together for years and we went to a handful of fires, but nothing like, you know, it's not like we worked together for 10 years, you know what I, I mean? You. I had him for a very brief period. And I think in that brief period, it was, it was good. It's a good guy. Yeah, you, said, you said something there that was, um, what I find to be pretty important. You said that he had his own shortcomings that he would, that he would tell you about. Um, sure. I think that's a missing key nowadays, uh, a lot in our, uh, communication, you know, from company officer to, you know, lower level firemen or even engineers for that matter, uh, is nobody wants to sing the, nobody seems to want to admit that they have any shortcomings. Uh, yeah. we had a good episode one day. Um, I don't even remember who our guest was. It might've just been me and you, Steve chatting, but, uh, we kind of come up with this phrase, you know, I want to see you do good, just not better than me. You know, that kind of mentality and what a cancer that can actually be for the improvement of the people in your charge. Um, so I mean, I compliment him, you know, that's, it's almost unheard of for an old school guy who's set in his ways to be as you just described. So I commend him on that. That's, that's pretty cool. I'm sure that had some sort of impact on you as far as, you know, how you wanted to progress through the, the willingness and openness to communicate with uh, the people in your charges. I mean, that's key, man. You got to have that crew continuity where everybody can talk to each other. Um, sure. Even about what you suck at. Yeah. And you know, that's not something that I fully appreciated until probably a lot longer, a lot, or a lot later. You know, when I was young, I, I I never really noticed it. Never, I don't want to say I didn't really give a shit, but like I didn't pay attention to like leadership styles or anything like that. What I did, what I did realize was, well, he's supposed to be the officer. He's supposed to know what he's doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm looking to him. And if he's not done, have his shit together. Who do I look for then? The other firefighter? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, but you know, I mean, it's that, that authoritarian figure, the, the kind of like a coach, or a, a school teacher or, you know, that father figure almost of, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to ask him, but then I also got the other firefighter who has more time on. That's like my big brother, right? Especially right. when you're new. Well, these guys, between the two of them, we should be squared away. But for him to be able to say, yeah, I really screwed up. Well, if he's able to admit it, well, now, now I feel like I can admit it too, because, you know, this guy's supposed to know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he said, Hey, I screwed this up. Oh, cool. Well, you know, maybe I won't be afraid to admit when I mess up. And I never really appreciated that in the moment. That's something I didn't realize until I got older and got promoted. And I didn't do any of that. And, you know, talking a little and just to touch a little bit on what you said about the old school mentality of, I forget exactly how you said it, but, you know, you don't want to admit it. You don't want to admit that you make the mistakes or you don't want someone to be doing better than you because of, 
your mistakes or whatever it is. It's really, really interesting. It's not better than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. it's really, it's really, really, really interesting that I know exactly what that feels like. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to hold people back or anything like that, but I feel like it's not human nature to where someone's a peer or someone is a different rank. And then now all of a sudden they're higher than you or they're being more successful um, in a shorter period of time than you and feeling that jealous feeling. But I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to be able to, I think, in my opinion, um, put the jealousy aside and understand that, you know, if they can do it, you can do it, right? You don't need to be jealous about it. Mm-hmm. And the point is there's nothing to hide with it, in my opinion. And that's kind of going back to what we talked about before as well is just if they do better than you, whatever, you're not in competition with them. You're in competition with yourself, in my opinion. Sure. And it's just very interesting the way you said that because – I know, it, like I know that that feeling. Like I'm like, well, wait a minute. This, this person and I were same rank. You're three ranks above me now. What the hell? What am I doing wrong? Nothing. You're not doing anything wrong. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that. I've, I've had that eye-opening kind of realization several times in my career. I'm now since we just had one retire. I'm the longest. Uh, I'm the longest. I guess I'm the oldest, not by age, but years of service uh, engineer in our department now. We just. Uh, Steve's driver, he just left, and I think it was me or uh, Joey, then me, and then you know I think there's there's nobody left from my recruit class that's still a driver. So it's just me. So I'm going on, you know, 17 years of being a driver, and I have had countless people come through the department and now are company officers, and yet here I am, and I trained most of these. Steve's mm-hmm. one of them. Uh, you know, I, I tra- helped train a lot of these guys, and, and you know I've had those moments throughout, um, and what I kind of had to do to check myself is I had to ask myself why I was being jealous. Why, why does that gripe me? Why does that rub me wrong? And parts of me would say, well, that should be you. Um, or, you know, you deserve that over them. I think even me and Steve went through the, uh, we went through a process together for company officer. Steve beat me out. It is what it is, you know, but it's sometimes, you know, you just get that little feeling and it's like, Damn, I've been here way longer than him. So years of service, um, we like to say the older generation, but you know, years of service doesn't doesn't necessarily mean all that much. Uh, but then I had to check that feeling of why I was feeling that jealousy, and I came to find out it was just it's mostly it's it's not company officer is not something that I really want to do. So yeah. the the jealousy side of it, I think, was just because it was just that mm-hmm. he was doing better than me. And I didn't feel like his time was put in to do better than me, you know. So I had yeah. to. It's a. It's a. It's. It was a. It's an interesting feeling, like you said. It's um. It's very relatable. I'm sure, probably most people, uh, have felt this kind of feeling before, but um, the ability to kind of check and maybe dig into why it is you're feeling that way, and if it is because, uh, you know, you feel like you should do better, then maybe you should do better. Do what well, you I mean, have. Yeah, yeah. and not their fault. And that's what ended up. Right, exactly. And that's what ended up happening to me was it wasn't a matter of somebody being better than the other. It was a matter of, you know, maybe I didn't put in the effort that I should have. Maybe I didn't put in the effort they shouldn't have. And one thing that has been making laps in my life a lot lately, just and, – and follow me on this. This might be a little off track, but, you know, my last promotional uh, exam I didn't do well on, and I didn't move forward in the process, um, unfortunately. I failed a written Um, And it took me a long time to realize that failing a written exam 
is not a reflection of you or your ability to be an officer. You didn't pass a test. Mm-hmm. Good luck believing that, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And, and the one thing, but what I'm getting at with the lapse in my life is there's been a lot of times in my life where I really, really wanted something, really wanted it. I didn't get it, and I was pissed off about it or whatever. And what I learned like a year or so, six months, six weeks, however it is, I looked back and said, you know what? I'm good. You know, thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. And that made a big, big lap in my, or that made a lot of, that recycles a lot throughout my life with many different things, not just the fire service, just my personal life, um, all that. Where I look back, I'm like, man, I really dodged a freaking bullet. Thank Christ it didn't happen. And what that led me to believe was, you know, things are going to happen for a reason. And I'm not being religious on that. You can, you can call it what you want. People can take away what they want from that. But I know out there somewhere, somebody else is saying, hmm, I know what that looks like. I, I've been through that, mm-hmm. you know, and you're only in competition with yourself. So that way, what I'm getting at with all of this is don't worry about other people's race. You're running your own. You, you know what I mean? It's your marathon, not mm-hmm. theirs. You know, for now, they could be ahead of you. In a few years, they could be behind you. But ultimately, it doesn't matter where you are in the race. Run your own race. You know, you should always be trying to beat your own record. You should always try to beat your own time, be be your, the best version of yourself. And then, you know, I don't want to sound like other people, but, like, it's an ego thing, right? Yeah, your pride's yeah. taking a hit. You know, I mean, yeah, you're going to have – which isn't fun, but now you're going to have to go into work and talk to the people that you work with every day and tell them that you failed a test, and they're going to crush you. You're going to get your balls yeah. broke so bad. You're going to get your balls broke over a period of time. You're going to forget about the failing a written test, and then out of nowhere, someone's going to remind you by breaking your balls. <laughs> and it's okay, and it's funny, but in the, you know, in the same token, though, too, I, I do – I really think things do happen for a reason, and you know, you're – you just have to be able to get out of your own way and, um, you know, accept that you did your best and move on and fix what you can. And if you didn't do your best, you half-assed it, you didn't try, you didn't care, whatever, then you have nobody to blame but yourself for that as well. And, you know, maybe check yourself for, on that end as well. It, or that, that end too, also. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it makes Absolutely. perfect sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know those thoughts, the, um, like the, that, fleeting moment of jealousy that you mentioned you can give those thoughts too much audience so like if somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're like "Mm," it's a moment like that's not your actual like you don't actually hate that person and hope they crash and burn off the side of a bridge you just you know a little moment of uh poor judgment so it's important not to let those things eat at your brain it was just a you know uh, a moment of thought and it's right. that's not you you know what i mean so yeah, sure it's yeah. it's also pretty liberating to understand that or to be able to con- be in control of your own emotions to where something will really really frustrate you make you mad whatever it is and once you have the ability to take a breath and just like actually drop it just let it mm-hmm. go is a very, very, very powerful time or a very powerful moment in your life once you really can control that. Because you could say, oh, yeah, I don't care about that. And then your mind, you know, you're on that drive, that hour drive home. Oh, yeah. And you're just pissed at the world. And you just stew and stew and stew. And what do you do? You go home and then you take it out on your wife or you get into an, you pick a fight with your spouse that you wouldn't have normally picked with them, but you're allowing work to come home with you, you know? And 
you do need to care about the people you work with and care about situations outside of work. I, I think that's important for officers and leaders to go above and beyond and be available 24-7, whether you want to be or not, you have to, because life is life, right? But I think when you're actually able to disconnect and just let shit go, it's, it just makes everything so much easier. Because the jokes and the ball breaking are fun and everything, but if it's something that you're really mad about, it's going to get to you a little bit. You may not say anything. Mm-hmm. You better not let them know it bothers you. Good luck Correct. because once you let yeah. that out, that's all they're going to do. You're just you're you're done. They're going to absolutely <laughs> hammer you water. until you that's snap, right. right? And that's what's fun, unless you're on the receiving end of it. Like, right. yeah. If you're observing or you're giving out the you know you're you know you're jawing at somebody. I mean it's fun, but when you're on the receiving end, it sucks. But um, but yeah. So what I'm getting at though is being able to actually, as you said, dr- just drop it like. And you can't, and it's beyond a, oh, I'm going to let this go. And then you still feel the anger of, uh, the, the emotion of anger. I'm talking like, you know what? This really makes me mad. I'm going to text this guy back. And you go, you know what? I'm not texting him. Throw it, put the phone away, take a breath, and you physically feel that anger drop and you just, you move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve uh, taught me a, a very good tactic. Um, just a reflection of once a student, now a, now a, now a teacher. Um, he taught me, Mr. Miyagi. There's, yeah, Mr. Miyagi, that's right. Um, <laughs> you know, a good way, a good way to handle that moment of anger and to not act in emotion is to, you know, type an email, but don't put a name in it. You know, you can think who you want to direct it to, but don't put their name on it and type your email and let your emotion go and then delete it. And if you still feel it, do it again and do it again and do it again and then delete it. And before you know it, you're not really pissed off about anything. You're yeah, like, you got it, it out. Yeah, you got you it, get out, it out. Or, that's right. You get it out or you realize through typing it and actually, you know, putting your emotions on paper in front of you or on a computer screen or however, you realize that it's kind of dumb anyway. Why am I, you know, this this whole thing is kind of dumb. Uh, one of my, well, my first captain here in the county, uh, still one of the greatest human beings I know, Captain Turner, is he's our training officer now and he is his office is at my station something can piss me off and i can walk in the door and slam the door in his office behind me and just get after it i can yell kick scream cry whatever i want and he won't even look up from the computer he'll just sit there <laughs> and he'll just, he won't even look up and that's exactly right mm-hmm. and i'll get done and i'll be like so what do you think and he'll turn in his chair nice and calm and he'll say well are you finished and then he'll proceed to give me an opinion or he'll tell me how dumb I am or whatever yeah. it may be. But it's just, you know, that I think being able to being able to vent when you're under emotion is, is, is healthy. And it's, it's just like you said, it's a it's a practice and it's an amazing feeling yeah. when it's over with. Um, so, yeah, I'm just echoing and piggybacking off of, uh, off of what you said, because I completely agree with it. Mm-hmm. That and then the, I think it's very it's a big moment. I think in your life, really, when you know you can control it and then you believe you control it, right? But then you, your body is like your emotion in your body, like you physically feel it once you able, are able to let it go. That um, weight off your chest or breath of fresh air feeling, sure. that is the final link to it because then you could do it about anything. And to touch on your email thing, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to throw this out here. Uh, do a note in your phone. Yeah. Or a brand new email, not a reply email 
Sure. When you're mad about something, because if you accidentally go to hit close or delete, <laughs> but you hit send, yeah, bad. Not that I've yeah, done that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. He told me, you know, he, he says, don't put a name on it. Like, don't address it to anybody. So just pull yep. up an email, a new email, leave everything blank, mm -hmm. and just go to typing. Yeah, yep. I can see. That's that can be, I, we've probably all done that. It was. Really I've sent. done that. <laughs> I've I've sent any a couple emails out of frustration before. One of which. I mean, I fired it right off and, and I'm glad I did it. And should I have done that? Probably not. But you know what? At the end of the day, when, when, I'm, when it comes down to um, the well-being of somebody that I work with, I don't care at that point. Gloves are off, right? Sure. Especially sure. if they're kind of getting the short end of the stick and they're kind of getting screwed over. But the other one, um, I was just pretty angry about the situation and I shot it off. And like within a minute, I had a phone call of, uh, what the actual F are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, uh, why'd you send that email? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't mean to send oh, that. No, I meant to close it. They're like, it's sent. So um, you're an idiot. Good luck. Yeah. And that, yeah. that, was, oh, that, went, that went over about as well as you could think it did. Mm -hmm. not, yeah. a, um, not a shining moment in my career. But cool. We all have those. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not the worst thing that could happen, I guess. No, not at all. Uh, tip, of the, tip of the spear leadership. Where did this idea and inception, how it was, how, walk me through kind of how this was born. So I was not always a great officer. I, I was unfortunately that guy that thought if I had a rank, you're going to listen to me. And I, I was very quickly uh, introduced into how incorrect that was. And I never fully appreciated it because I got promoted really young. I think I was, I was 29, 28, 29, late 20s getting promoted, right? I mean, I got promoted pretty, pretty young. Uh, very, very immature, very inexperienced in my life, or very, very little life experience. And so I was under that misconception that they're going to listen to me. And I had a lot of problems, a lot of problems. I, and I had somebody pull me aside and were like, you know, hey, you're, you're a piece of shit. Like, you know, whatever, what are you doing? You need to fix this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, pff, whatever, dude. I paid attention to what he had to say, but I didn't listen to him. I'm like, what the hell do you know? And so then I went to, I realized that I was kind of struggling with some stuff. And I, and I, and I got a hold of somebody that I had a lot of trust in. That's, that's an officer as well. I'm like, hey, man, I'm having all these problems with this guy, what do you think? And he's like, well, what did he tell you? And I told him, he's like, well, uh, I mean, you know, the fire service is pretty small. You, you're, you're a piece of shit. Like, you're not that great of an officer. You suck. You know, you're, you're getting lost on calls because you don't care enough to look in the map book correctly. You expect all this stuff out of other people, but you're not doing it yourself. And I'm like, holy shit, like, why don't you ever say that to me? Because it's not my place. It's your career. He's like, what do you want me to do? You want me to call you and tell you you're a piece of shit? I'm not going to do that. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I think and everybody so needs I went, at least one friend yeah. that'll do that. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, dude. But, you know, in the same token, though, too, I mean, rumors are rumors. Why would he pay attention to a rumor when it could be completely incorrect, right? That's another lesson that I learned. Like, I, other people's opinion of someone is not my opinion. My opinion is focused on my experience. But so that happened. And, you know, I went and I talked to this dude that I was having, issue, I was having friction with. And he was just kind of like, uh, yeah, sure, whatever. And that was it. That's all I got out of him. I'm like, well, I need to do something. This is not good. So I found Leadership Under Fire, came to our county and did a class. And guess who was sitting in that class? That guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, fuck. And it was just, it was a big eye opener. And moving forward, I had a ton of trial and error. I, 
sometimes I really, really missed the mark. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, and I had some issues in my personal life that I had to work through, and, you know, it didn't really make it an excuse, but, you know, I realized in Leadership Under Fire that my focus now is going to be a better officer. I made a ton of mistakes. I mean, everything you could think about going down the wrong path as far as how you carry yourself, how you acted, your words, the importance of their words, your message, communications, all that. I was just subpar. It was not that great. And, you know, I did what I learned from the Leadership Under Fire class and just some interactions over time with people. And, you know, I really tried to get better. I think I did better. Um, you know, I, I learned over time that, you know, in the fire service, the firehouse, whatever, people aren't going to come up to you and tell you whether they like you or not, but you can tell, right? That's, that's palpable. The, 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 mm -hmm. When you have respect and control and you have people following you because they respect you, you can tell. I don't know how to explain that, but you can see that. You can tell when they don't. You can really tell when they don't. Like I said, you can cut it with a knife, um, that, that tension. And so a lot of ups and downs and all that. And then uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but um, I'm trying to think how to say this. I had a life event, and one of the things that I went through was talking to some people that I was, clo I was close to and, and all that. And um, – the event happened in, in December, and, and after that, I started working through some, some stuff, and uh, this is December of 2022, and one of the things that came out of it was, you know, um, I guess venting about leadership. I don't know how to explain that, but long story short, um, I was told, you know, hey, why don't you write down about, write some stuff down about stuff that you like, stuff that interests you, whatever. Just write, see where you get, and we'll read it, and we'll talk about it. So I'm like, all right, cool. So next thing I know... I mean, I just sitting at home by myself. I got injured at work, and so I was off. It wasn't a bad injury, but I was off for probably four or five shifts. So that's like five, four or five weeks ish, because we work one on three off. So you know, one shift off is like a week. But so I was off for an extended period of time, and you know, I'm by myself. I don't have anything else to do, anything else to do. My wife's at work, and my kids at school, and. Um, so I just wrote all this stuff down and, you know, started talking about it. And they're like, wow, this is really good. Like you should write a book. I'm like, I'm not writing a book. She's like, you have, over, she's like, you have well over 2000 words of, about fire department leadership and all the mistakes that you made and all the stupid things you've done. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you write a book about it. I'm like, I'm not writing a book. She's like, all right, well, you know, no big deal. Like, you know, do what you want with it, whatever. And I don't remember the exact moment of why I decided to do it, but I think I was bored. And I was just doing a brain dump one day, and I wrote about a mistake. I was working on this project, and I just I wrote down um, exactly like one of the one of the calls I had, one of the worst calls I ever had as an officer, and how I just completely shit the bed. And I wrote it out, and it was like three sentences. And I remember looking around on Instagram. For, I don't remember what it was. I was like, oh, maybe I should do an Instagram page. I got nothing else to do. I'm bored sitting at home, laid up. And I did it. I was like, hey, no big deal. Like, I'll throw this out here and get my thoughts out. And I could just delete it. I'll never tell anybody who I am or what I'm doing. I'll just put it out there. And it took off like wildfire. Like, it just it ran the gambit. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, there's a podcast. And we're almost at 40,000 downloads. Um, I think I've, I'm just, I'm about to hit probably in the next week or two, 10,000 followers on Instagram. 
Um, and uh, we do episode 36 next week. Next week. So, I mean, it's huge. And it's, it, it, grew, it grew astronomically. And, you know, it's actually really interesting because through the podcast and the Instagram, just that situation alone taught me a huge lesson about being an officer that I didn't expect to come out. It was wild. But, I mean, that was a little long-winded, but that was basically, you know, the, the tip of spear leadership in, in a nutshell. That's awesome. It's like so. born in uh, candid just sharing of a mistake, which is people love to hide mistakes. We're all guilty of it at some point in our life, but, yeah, that's not, that's not how you move forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, you know. And the, thank you. And and the the interesting part about it is it, it makes me really understand that it's you know it's never it's always a journey, right? It, it, leadership is will never be a destination. It's always a journey. You know, it, it, it's not fun. Um, sometimes, a lot of times, it's extremely rewarding, and there's a lot of times where it's very very frustrating and difficult, and you know you just feel like you're spinning your wheels in the mud and that you can't move forward, you can't do any better. But it is what it is at that point, and and you know all you can do is work on it. And um, keep it moving. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought on that. But, you know, I think the biggest part of it was hopefully, you know, getting my experiences out there to where other people don't make the same mistakes that I did. Because there were there's a lot of very frustrating times where I just, man, I was, I don't know how you guys are in your department if you have formal leadership education and training, officer development you know, like a pipeline for officers or anything like that. Not all places do. Um, and, you know, it's, you only get out of it what you invest into it. And, and what I've learned was the more I invested into it, the more mistakes I made and the more issues I caused. But if you continuously work on it in time, it will pay off over time. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I think my goal was, you know, and it, and I think it's working is, you know, if I can help people not make the mistake that I did, then, you know, I mean, that's, that's my goal. Then that's it. Everything's going great. And I had some really, really good officers and some really good firefighters with time on really lay into me when I screw up, like, you know, Hey, you dumb MF or what are you thinking with this? Hey dude, I heard this. You better pray. It's not true. You better fix it if that's the case. And it's just like, Holy shit. I didn't even know that was a problem. Yeah. You know, like, fuck why didn't I see that coming? But that's the point. And that's the point of my Instagram and, 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 and the networking is everything takes a village. You know, no one, no single person is as great as a group, a team, right? <laughs> you know, my, my crew, I wouldn't be anywhere or anything I am without them. Um, you know, they're, they're sharp as razors and they hold me accountable and put me in check. And, you know, they'll tell me I'm being a piece of shit if I'm being a piece of shit. And, you know, but that's the point. You know, is I have good mentors, I, I have good peers, and I have good um, good crew members, and, and I think it's all one big package. And, and I think the Instagram and the, and the podcast just ra- sharpens that edge. So now I can learn about leadership beyond a book, beyond you know my own experience, because that's just not going to work, right? That's why you have to get higher education for promotion. You have to have formal education because there's only so much you can learn in the field. I mean, experience is the king. It is. But I go out here and I talk about leadership. I, I post about leadership. I have people message me about it and all these really good a podcasts just like this 
where now I can fine tune all that and I can go to work and I can practice it or I can go to work and screw it up, put it out there in the world. And then now people will be like, Hey man, did you try this? Or did you try that? Or I did the same thing you did. Try what I tried. It worked out great. And there's been a few times where that happened. Um, and then I think, you know, the, I think one of the most rewarding parts about it as well was I had a, I had a career event that ended up being a very unique situation. Um, I had to pull the trigger on a decision that I was, I did not think was going to go well, but in the moment I didn't have time to really think a lot. I, I made a decision. Um, I stood my, behind my decision, but I don't think I would have been in the place to be confident enough to walk down that path if I didn't start all this by learning competent or learning the confidence and, and all that by talking to other uh, fire service leaders and other officers and, you know, guys such as yourselves where, you know, over time, you're, I think it just, it helps the leadership in general. And, you know, at the end of the day, it makes you better for the, the guys that are under your command and the guys that you serve. And, you know, ultimately that's my goal is to be good for them. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I commend you. The, uh, the internet can be a treacherous place to put out mistakes, uh, mm -hmm. especially, um, or, you know, for, uh, the internet's going to keep you accountable. That's for sure. They're going to, it's going to uh, pick you yes. apart. Right? <laughs> so I commend you for, oh, for yes. doing that. Um, for sure. Uh, with that, <laughs> oh yeah, not we know, <laughs> um, with that there is leadership is a, it's a, it's a hot topic, especially in the fire service, the military, which it should be right. It's very important. I don't, sure. I don't I'm not downplaying it in, in the smallest bit. Um, but let me, I want to ask you a question with all the leadership stuff that's going on in the fire service on social media right now, what is one kind of leadership style maybe is a way to describe it that clashes with your opinion of leadership. Now, this is an opinion based question. So there's, there's a bunch of them out there that we clash with. I'm not gonna say a bunch, but there mm -hmm. are several that we clash with and we don't necessarily get behind. I'm interested to hear your opinion um, to see if it mirrors ours. I'm honestly kind of hoping that your style and hopefully what you're going to follow up with this, we disagree with so we can debate a little bit because that's always fun. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I got you. Um, I don't necessarily know if I have a established style like laissez-faire or whatever. Pick sure, any one yeah. that you want. Yeah, I'm right? not even talking but, about uh, that that specific. Yeah, so I mean, there's many, many different like autocratic, democrat, all that stuff. They're they're out there, and and, and I think they all have their places. I think what I do is I focus on the people that I lead first. And I see a lot of, what, I forget how it's called, what it's called, servant leadership. Like, mm -hmm. you better do this. You better do that. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, yes, servile leadership I do, do think has a place, but I don't think you should be using, I, the way I see it on the internet, one, it's a buzzword. Uh, my opinion. And what I've learned is if you walk in feeling like you owe everyone everything, you're not going to be competent and sharp enough to be able to just do your job, in my opinion. And, and what I think with that is it shouldn't be servile leadership. It should be supportive leadership. Supportive as in push you to the next level, give you everything you can do to be at the next level. Do my part for you to be the best version of yourself outside of the firehouse and inside the firehouse. 
off the fire ground and off the fi- on the fire ground. And, you know, I think everything is just a balance of the situation at hand more so than a label for your style, in my opinion. Because how I lead you is going to be different how I lead him. It's different how I lead them and how I lead that guy. It's all different. It's, it's almost like that, old, that saying of reading the room. Oh, you yeah. have to really read the room, and you, and, and you learn that by investing time in the people that you're leading to really get to know them on a personal level and a professional level and to be able to have difficult conversations with them whether you want to or not because it's only going to get worse the longer you wait. So the point that I'm making is it, it's almost like you have it's – a, it's a situational leadership, I think. I think you just have to take it one day, one call, one situation at a time and just focus on that only. And then, you know, on, the, on the, the, the micro level, on the macro level, you can still have your long-term um, ideologies to support it, right? Like competence, confidence, um, integrity, all, all that, anything you want to throw, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, I just – that's kind of where I'm at. I just – I'm not a big fan of the idea of servile leadership because it might uh, – you, you sound like a servant, which you are serving – and I get that. I'm not discrediting the importance of being a good leader for anyone. I'm just saying, you know, you should not, people should be looking at you with confidence, not looking at you for, they should be getting something from you. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but does that make sense what I'm trying to say to you? I think so. Yeah, it, it does. It does. It makes sense. Um, That's kind of where uh, I'm at with that. Sure. So it sounds like uh, I'm just, I'm using a, a different set of words to describe what you said, but it's almost like you're, sure your style and you believe as a leader, you should be almost like a chameleon. You know, you should be able to, you should be able to change and treat people differently as in your different, uh, you know, firefighter, engineer, however you want to, you know, whatever you have two firefighters, uh, everybody needs to be led a little bit differently because they are different people, but you still have to figure out what makes them tick in order for them to serve the purpose that you have set for them to serve. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, so I think a, a better analogy or a good analogy, and I, I kind of thought of this um, from what you said. I think you're kind of like a blacksmith, right? Blacksmith is kind of you're an artist. You're mm-hmm. a very well versed, experienced artist, and um, just for this conversation, you're you're a swordsman, right? You, your job as a blacksmith is to make a sword. You can make a sword. You can heat the iron up. You can beat it. You know that you know the mixture the iron needs. You know how to beat it into shape. You know how to cool it off. When you, you know you have your process of building strength, right? So you take steel, you put it into water, it hardens it. Then you grind it out, all that. You sharpen it. You have the anvil to your hammer, right? Your hammer is going to be um, fixing the problems, straightening the situation out, uh, getting things on the right path, the right direction, same direction. The anvil to your hammer is you, your personality. Uh, your ideologies, um, leading by example, I think would be another good anvil, part of the anvil to your hammer. And then, you know, there comes a point where you have that's, and that's forging a new sword, right? So it takes a lot of work, but at the end of the day, it's a work of art. If you put the work in part of the work is the work of the steel, the cooling and the heating and the taking the beating from the hammer being supported by the anvil and it straightens it out, sharpens it up, right? It goes on both ends because if the right ingredients in the steel aren't there, it's never going to harden to be a sharp sword. Then there comes a point where, in my opinion, you'll have the blacksmith that gets the sword that's had been around for a while. Guys used it. It's beat up. It's nicked up. 
it has a nice edge, but it needs to be sharpened. At that point, all you're doing is polishing, sharpening the edge. The guys in the firehouse, you have a rookie. He's that sword you're going to forge. You have a guy with a bunch of time on. You take a look at it. You assess what needs to be done. You sharpen the edge. You polish it. And then there's some where it just comes in. You take a look at it, and, and you're like, hey, things are great. Rock and roll. And, you know, they become an asset. And I don't know if that's really a good analogy, but. No, I think it was a great you know. analogy. <laughs> I made I all think, kinds of notes about that. Yeah. That's, that, that was I an just, incredible I, analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's just it's just like a blacksmith, man. I, I really do, and and I think you have the ability to build, forge, sharpen, polish, and then execute. Or yeah. you know, you it's an it's an art it's an art form. It, it really is, and and you know, being an officer is just like being a blacksmith. It takes time and effort of beating on your craft for years and years and years and. I mean, I, I'm not a blacksmith. I don't know how to be a, a blacksmith, but I can tell you being an officer is probably one of the most frustrating things I've ever been a part of, I've ever done. Like, just, it's wild. It, I don't know how to explain it, but, it, in, you know, if anyone that's an officer is listening, I'm sure they're kind of like, mm, I got that. But that's kind of my leadership style and kind of my analogy for um, for it. Yeah, I think that's great. If you haven't coined that that whole little segment, you should. Yeah, that needs um, to be a chapter in the book. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, book chapter. Yeah, I've, yeah, and that book that you're going to write. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I can barely write my own name. I'm not going to write a book, but. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I love that analogy. It's perfect. But even, you know, I was trying to, as you were kind of describing it uh, in your own in your own way, I was I was playing it through in my own mind. I'm actually drawing a picture and playing a movie of a blacksmith, you know, turning a raw piece of iron into a sword. But the biggest takeaway I get from that is from a raw piece of iron into a piece of art such as a sword, the biggest factor is time. The time that a blacksmith has to invest into that raw piece of steel to turn it into this final product that is the piece of art. And that, I think, I think that is, that is, that's key, uh, the time you're willing to invest in your people. Um, that is, to me, that is the most important thing. The most important aspect and piece of a good leader that I find is the time that they're willing to put into their people. Um, it's the commitment and discipline too, right? Absolutely. You have to commit to it. You have to have the discipline to do it. And, you know, no strike is perfect, right? So the strike of the, of the, of the, of the iron could be trying a, a way to do something or interacting with a person. You beat it, you beat it, you beat it. It works out great, but nothing is ever perfect. You don't hit the sword once and all of a sudden it turns into a polished piece of art. It right. doesn't happen. It's time and time again of trial and error. And what do they do anytime after they, they mold it, mold it, mold it? What's the first thing they do? Test it. They, put it. they can put it right back into heat, heat it back up, mold it again. That's so right, the whole man. point, uh, I think the point of that is a reset. So you could say it's working, it's working. You know what? I'm looking at it. This doesn't look like it's going to be that great. We're not heading down the right path. Let me let me re let me get a nice refresh. Let me get a nice restart. And then you take the progress you've already made, and you work back over it again. Polishing is there too, but I, I think um, I think it's just another a bigger analogy of if every strike of the hammer is going to be um, your effort and, and, and trying things and and knowing that. It's never going to be a, you know, 
swing of a, one swing of a hammer. It's going to be consistent over time. Um, and it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect every time, but in time you'll get where you need to be. Yeah. I like the credit sense. you give to the, uh, material. Right. So like, sure. I can take all the credit for, uh, making this sword, but I took time to find a good material and the person, the firefighter or the driver, whoever it is you're talking about, they, they own, like they're, they're responsible for their part as well. And, uh, giving that credit to that material, uh, helps me like in the, the takeaway. That's, I like that part. You're, you're, <laughs> you're facilitating the end goal too, which is what you're doing as a leader of a firehouse, right? You know, the blacksmith can't come up and say, here's a sword without having material to mold and put together just mm -hmm. like people in a team, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the ingredients of a sword, but you don't take a block of steel and just throw it down. Mm -hmm. You don't, right? You take the steel, you heat it up so you can get it melted, which is breaking everyone down and bringing them to the same level of understanding that we're part of a team. Um, we're part of one entity that we're going to work together to be a functioning team, which is the end goal, or so the end goal could be the sword. So they throw ingredients in there. Heating it up is like training and getting to know each other and your growing pains. Then everybody kind of starts going in the same direction where the officer, the leader, not always the officer. Remember, it could be anybody can be a leader. And, and as, as, the, as the officer, you have to know when to lead and when to follow, and, and you may not be the subject matter expert, and it's okay. You know, another point to a hammer and an anvil. It takes more than one. That's another mm -hmm. analogy for, you know, leadership, informal leadership. The formal leadership's the hammer. The informal, leader, informal leadership and taking a step back and following is also the anvil as well. It all goes into the success of the team. But it doesn't matter how strong the leader is. If you don't have great ingredients to make a sword, it's never going to be a work of art, you, you, you know. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's all derived from different things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. A little philosophical, but yeah, I'm glad you said that part about it. it doesn't have to be the officer because I'm just thinking back to my last year or two with Joey, uh, my driver retired, but for a period of time there, I was the sword and he was the blacksmith. Like he, he had so much knowledge and I was learning a lot from this guy. Like it's, it's not always the officer that's doing the shaping uh, man, that's a, what a great, what a great part of this conversation. Thank you. Uh, have you ever had, let me ask you this. You're mm -hmm. an officer. Um, have you had it where you felt like I'm going to go bum information from the senior guy. And then you felt like in times you're like, well, everything I'm, why is everything that I'm doing wrong? Why, why didn't I think of that? Why, why wasn't I smart enough to know what this guy knows? And then you follow what he tells you and he's completely correct. And you're like, man, fuck. Why didn't I know that? Have you ever had any moments like that? Um, I think you don't I have was, to admit it because he's right here. I'm kidding. No, no. I, uh, <laughs> uh, we have a couple officers in our department that from early on in my career here, um, they made it okay to learn from other people. So yeah. I think it was just in the DNA that I was taught that you're going to learn from other people. So I, yeah. I don't think I had the idea of I should have known at first. I'm, I'm the new guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's something that, it, that was a big ego check for me as well. Uh, with, you know, with firefighters, with time on that I've worked with in my period, in my time as an officer of, you know, it, 
I don't want to say it's an ego thing, but it is an ego thing. And, and it's kind of like, you know, you feel dumb because you sh- it's something you should have known. But in the same token, though, too, there's people out there that's going to be smarter than you. That's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Yeah. And just because their opinion differs from you doesn't mean you're wrong. Theirs might be a little bit better. And it's okay. But then on the flip side of that, you have to know when it's, all right, the senior guy is saying this, that, and the other, and that's a great idea, and I get it, but I'm not backing off my decision. You know what I mean? My, this right. is my decision. At the end of the day, if I'm wrong and he was right, then, then that's what it is, and that's what's up. But, I mean, anytime I've ever had that gut instinct to follow my guns or I had my gut, a gut instinct to follow the person when I seek, seeked out, looked for advice – um, when I really mm-hmm. followed my gut on that, I, I've never been wrong. And, and I got to tell you, you know, more often than I want to admit, um, you know, I'm getting advice from other people on a situation where it's allowed. I mean, obviously in the moment, you know, on a call or something like that, I'm sticking right. with my instinct. I'll take input from what you have to say. And if your input is important and, or it's very applicable, you know, I'll follow it. Or, you know, if you see something, I don't, you know, that kind of stuff. But sure. I mean, obviously the fireground's a, a dictatorship, not a democracy at that point, but correct. Absolutely. I think just like anything else there, it all has its timing and it, the, the, the message delivery is, is always important. Um, you know, so yeah. What's the, uh, what's the hope and the goals for tip of the spirit leadership? Um, what you got coming up? I think a lot of, I'm sorry. What you got coming up in the future? I think a lot of it's just getting out there. A lot of the lessons that I've learned, and then as time goes on, hopefully, I don't know who it would be, but hopefully, you know, grasp somebody and somebody was in my shoes when I was young, or you know, I catch someone in there in the same stage where I realized I screwed up. Maybe they'll catch it a little bit earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. Where or, you know, my personal favorite and and I'm not trying to gloat here, but, you know, I get a lot of messages throughout the day and all that. And there's a lot. Excuse me. There's a lot of times where somebody's like, hey, I'm getting ready to promote. I've been listening to your show. It's really, really good. What do you think? What do you think I should know going in? And it's like, well, this guy took guy or girl. It's been a few, you know few dozen people have asked me this they're like what do you what do you think i should do my first day and i'm like uh well this is what i tried my first day and you know either way the point that i'm making is i think you know being able to grasp um anyone wherever they are in their leadership journey and 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 make them better and you know hopefully give them some advice and you know i think one of the nice things i've heard a few times as well is they're really, really struggling with something, and the timing of a post made a huge difference for them, which is kind of cool because I've kind of had that as well where I had some, just like anything else, peaks and valleys, right? Some really good times, some really bad times, and recently I went through a not-so-great time with um, with part of my pro- – I'll call it a project, and somebody reached out to me. It was like, hey – you know, your last message was really, really good. This is why. And they wrote this whole, this gigantic thing. And it really, it was a big impact because, you know, it was, a, it was helping them out both at home and at work. And I was just kind of like, damn, I was kind of in the dumps a little bit because I'm frustrated with myself. And, you know, it was great. So I think overall, eventually, I just hope it just grabs people and gives them lessons or little tidbits or, you know, if they're struggling a little bit, maybe some 
re refresh or something. I don't really know how to say that, but um, you know, help, help people not make the same mistakes that I did because I created a lot of frustration for myself for a very, very long time. So, what a goal, helping yeah, people. It's yeah. a pretty good motive. Mm -hmm. Pretty good motive. Yeah, just to make things better. I, I don't really know what my what my legacy will be. I think in the fire service, or my legacy in my life will be. But I, I think this will help with a lot of both. And you know, I think, and eh, not to get off on a tangent or you know on a philosophical level again, but uh, you know, I think the coolest thing about this as well, and this is beyond work. That you know, my kid is almost identical to me. Like, it's kind of. It's kind of scary how a lot of like him and I are and the way he's at, he all he wants to be every Halloween is for a firefighter. Right. I mean, actually I think this year he's going to try and be an astronaut, but I know it's going to happen. The same thing happened last Halloween, last second, he's going to want to be a firefighter and it's going to piss my wife off. and It's going to be really funny, but either way, <laughs> he's the same way I was. It's all he wants to do. We, we go to firehouses all the time. Like we, there's a handful that are super close to my house and, if it's just him and me or he's been good at school or whatever, or we, I'm not going to tell him no if we're driving by when he's like, hey, can we pull over and look? All right. So he's going to be just like me, right? right. Uh, and uh, maybe one day he'll get into the fire, fire department. I hope he does. But now he has all of this to listen to and to read forever, like forever. 30 years when I'm, you know, 30, 40 years, whenever I'm gone from the earth, this will still be here because it's the internet, it's YouTube, it's all out there. And he'll have all of that for the rest of his life um, of me and, and stuff. And, and I talk about him a lot throughout my podcast. And, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's kind of what I like the most about all of this is he'll have that forever. And that it's, that's not really fire department related, not really leadership related, but it's kind of being a dad. And I think being the father of a household is leadership as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sure is. So, Sure is. Little little cheesy level, but it's you know, it, it all kidding aside that I think that's one part of this that is very, very important to me and, and, and keeps me going with a lot of stuff and keeps me honest is knowing he's gonna hear this um mm -hmm. at some point in his life. I got you. Well man, we have um enjoyed your time today so much. Thank you for being sure. gracious with it. Thank I know you. you're a busy busy, busy man. Uh we enjoyed <laughs> definitely enjoy the social media page and I've uh I've enjoyed the podcast. I think I haven't quite listened to all of them, but I am not far behind. I don't think I have, but maybe five or six awesome. that I'm off, I believe. So, yeah, big fan, dude. I appreciate it a whole bunch. Appreciate No, I, I definitely appreciate that. And, you know, I, I'm I'm new to your page and uh, podcast. I've listened to a handful, and they're good. They're nice and short, direct, to the point. I really like them. And, uh, you know, I, I can't thank you guys enough for having me on here. It's been quite the honor, and, you know, I really appreciate your time. Absolutely, dude. We'll be in touch uh, in the future. If there's anything that we can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out, brother. Sounds great. Cool. You as well. Give me yeah. a call. You Thanks, got my Mike. cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right, dude. All right, Mike. Have be a good. good Thank you so much, sir. Uh -huh. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Do us a favor. Slide over to iTunes or Spotify or YouTube. Leave a five-star review and leave a comment. If you want to, you want to support further, share it with somebody. Ask them to like, subscribe, and share it with their friends. If they can benefit from it, we need to spread it out. The more you like and comment, the more visible we are on all these platforms when people are just searching Firefighter Podcast. It'll come up primary complete 
a little bit quicker and they won't have to dig quite so far to find us. We really appreciate that. Visit the website. It's a pretty good site. It's got all kinds of fun links and stuff. You can also find the shows there on the website as well, and that's www.primarycompletepodcast.com. Thank you all so much for your support. Again, we love you. Thank you for helping us make conversation great again.